This week on the Montana Mid Sports Podcast, we look back at the Bobcats and Grizzly games from last week, what they have coming up this week against Eastern Washington and Cal Poly. We do our second and ten and give out our crowns for the week. We have a great interview with Kyler Neal from FCS Fans Nation, who's also a Stats Top 25 voter. We'll look at the Big Sky games this week, and then our favorite Osweiler watch. Let's go. Week five of the Montana Mint Sports Podcast, our 22nd episode overall. We have one week down in the Big Sky Conference. Week number two coming up. Are you still excited for Big Sky Conference play, Bear Tycoon? Oh my God. We had a Cats win, a Grizz win. Whenever the two Montana schools win, which makes the potential for Cat Grizz that much more uh, meaningful, I get super excited. I was super excited when I saw that the Grizz were down at halftime. Uh, yep. So that got me really, really going, and then uh, I got a lot of buzz, buzz, buzz texts from Hot. There was a lot of uh, texting and trolling going on, and then um, when they finally did win, I was had enough beers where I didn't really respond to any text after that. But <laughs> we're gonna get into. We do want to say thank you to Laney Lou and the Bird Docs, who are currently on a West Coast tour. So if you're in like the Spokane and basically western washington area try and see if you can get them so they thank you for them for playing us in and playing us out every week but i just wanted to start out and say how about troy anderson and that rushing attack that montana state had against portland state on uh, saturday did you see that oh man it so if you just showed a non-big sky conference fan the box score from the game you would assume that the bobcats run the option offense yes you would yeah, he's, he ran for an average of damn near 10 yards per carry. Um, going into that game, though, when I heard, I, I assumed that Tucker Rovick was going to start this game after his really strong showing against um, uh, Wagner. So I thought that we were going to come in, we were going to put Troy either at linebacker or running back and have Tucker Rovick come out and really work on that performance he had. Portland State wasn't going to give as much of a fight, so I assumed Rovick was going to come out and uh, start that game, build some more confidence, get Troy back into that running back position, and that did not happen. Immediately, Troy Anderson uh, came back. Once he got that club off his hand, he's back to being the Cats' starting quarterback, apparently. Well, and uh, it may be a brilliant... Uh, marketing move from from Coach Choate. I could I don't root for the Bobcats generally, as you know, but when Troy Anderson is the quarterback, I love the Bobcats. I'm all in on this story of the linebacker turn, running back oh. turn, quarterback taking the team. So, so you, when Troy marketing. Anderson's behind, <laughs> it might be it's getting it's getting one more you know more butts in the seat. I'm tuning into the games much closer than I normally would. So it's like would. it's like and I'm actually rooting for golf. Him is when you watch golf Absolutely. and when Troy Anderson starting a quarterback for the Cats, you're watching the Cats? Absolutely. Interesting. I don't think it was a marketing ploy to get more fans, but we can spin it that way. I know there's... And it's not... It, I, I should say, it's not, it's not more fun. It's not a better product with Troy Anderson on the field in terms of enjoyment, but it is just such an incredible story that it brings me back to the Tebow years with the Broncos, which were... That season was one of the most fun Bronco seasons I've ever watched. It was insane. So uh, watching the game on Pluto, shout out Pluto for having one of the worst streams ever and 
So I was with some friends uh, showing them that they were not Montana State fans. I was showing them the game on Pluto. And I was like, I promise this is a Division One college team that you're watching here. Uh, I mean, it, it looked like it, it looked like someone was going out and had a, a GoPro out on like, I don't know, like a Billing Central Friday night game up at Rocky or something like that. It was crazy. <clears throat> but you watch Anderson and I would show them when he was running the ball and every single person said he looked like Tebow. It was unbelievable. It's uncanny how much they look like each other when they're running. If you just, yeah, not yet how he looks. It looks like he is Tim Tebow. And also his stat lines are hilariously just like Tim Tebow. It's 107 yards passing, one touchdown through the air, and then uh, two touchdowns rushing, 211 on the ground. I don't know if Tebow ever got that much rushing, but uh, the Broncos certainly never put up 43 points when he was at the helm. No. But Anderson is just, he's an easy, easy player to root for. He's, and, and like, it sounds like they're going to start him again this weekend uh, against Eastern Washington. Everything Choate said is it's impossible to game plan when you have Anderson back there who can run the ball and he can somewhat keep you honest that he can throw a pass like he did to Kevin Cassis last week where it was a slant and went for a 53-yard uh, touchdown. But it sounds yep. like he's saying, though, like, who wants to get in front of a 220-pound running back slash quarterback and, and try and take him down? And I guess, you know, Portland State had to know it was coming when they saw Troy Anderson in. They couldn't do anything to stop him. Now do I think Portland State's anywhere near the caliber that Eastern is? Not even close. So I don't see that specifically carrying over. But it's a really interesting setup when you can literally – everybody in the stadium, all probably like, what, 1,500 people in the stadium last weekend yep. – know exactly what's coming you run like quarterback power left with uh tyler and natty blocking for him and he's getting like 10 yards a pop like everybody knows it's coming and he's still doing it everyone knows it's coming um everyone knows it's coming and i think eastern will probably be able to stop it yeah they they let joe Prothrow last week is it Prothrow? whatever his name is from Cal Poly, he, yeah. ran, he, ran, he got some good yards. I know that uh, the final score didn't indicate that it was helpful at all. <laughs> but <laughs> I think they're probably fine giving up a lot of yards to a fullback if it results in a 70 to 17. True, true. So it'll be really um, interesting to see. But, that, but it, you know, Cats came out and put up 43 against Portland State. That's their second straight game scoring 40-plus points. Uh, so you have to feel good about – you know, when I saw that first half against Western Illinois to start the season off – and you told me that the Cats would score 40-plus in a couple of games, I would have told you you're crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. And now they've thrown up a 40 spot in their last two games. Yeah, that's great. Against really awesome teams in Portland State and uh, Wagner. But still, 40 um, points. And I still, I would have said those, if you were like, hey, you're going to play the number 229 team in the Sagarin rankings and you're going to put up 45, 43 points, I'd have been like, okay, I'm down with that. I don't believe you after watching our first half offense in that first game. So even then, even with the shitty competition that they've really been playing, I'm still jacked about the 40-plus points because I never would have saw that coming. Totally. It's, it's been fun to watch them. The offense is certainly taking off. But we, we can't just speak about uh, Troy Anderson when it comes to rushing quarterbacks because Not anymore. we need to talk about my boy – Dalton Sneed. Or as Gamecast had him uh, the first time this year, Sneed Dalton. Sneed Dalton. Uh, I'm going to call him that for the rest of the... I just made that decision. He... So Troy Anderson averaged 9.6 yards a carry. Uh, Dalton Sneed, 16 carries, 206 yards. That put him at 12.9 yards per carry. He had, 
Had a long one at 75 yards, which was so much fun to watch in those copper uniforms. The copper uniforms uh, three were touchdowns. freaking awesome, by the way. Ooh, I'll give you that. The best. I'll give you that. They were so good. Um, also, Dalton Sneed, go, coming into the year, all, what I talked about a ton was what a question mark there was at quarterback because we didn't know anything about this kid. Um, super impressed through four games, and he is right now number three in the country for total offense for a player. So I'm yeah. big time impressed with Dalton Sneed. The game this week, uh, we'll let the Grizz fan podcast kind of go into details of this, but just um, a quick recap. You know, it the Grizz run game looked very good, 351 yards rushing. Well, uh, very the good other maybe, thing that's uh, that might be an exaggeration. Two of them, 206 of it came from Snelton Deed, and 53 came from one rush by Gabe Seltzer. He's fast as hell, though. Holy shit. He's fast as hell. That was insane. All that matters is the total yards. Yeah. The the other thing that stood out is, and I know they talked about this on Grizz Fan Podcast, but the Grizz got down a couple times during this game. And last year, whenever there would be a deficit, it would just seem like it was impossible to climb out of. The way that the Grizz were running, there was just some confidence in those players that they could get back into the game. Um a completely, completely different vibe on the field this year compared to last year. So yeah. it was a ton of fun. And to they watch. and like you have to give props to the Grizz in that second half. They're down twenty-eight to twenty-four at halftime, I believe. Sac State comes out and only scores six points in the second half. The Grizz scores seventeen, and every time I looked down, Sac State was scoring in the first half. They had um, Elijah Dotson there, running back, had two hundred thirty-four yards on thirty carries that game. So yeah. seven, he was he was awesome. he was unbelievable, and he, and he had a long he had another touchdown. He had, like that, long, he had a sixty-six yarder and like a fifty-some yarder, I believe. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, he was he was awesome. It's players like that where it makes sense that Sac State was in the in the thick of it last year in terms of getting a playoff spot. Like they have talent, um, and it, just kind of depending on the schedule that, that you have, Sac State. You know, you can see why they did damage last year. They have some very yeah, they did da- and they did damage last year because they had a, a lot easier schedule than than yes. some of these teams. But you could see why they were beating that that level of competition when they could come into a super hostile environment on Dave Dickinson Day, which that the crowd was jacked up. That team had to be jacked up. Like that's a special day in Missoula. And Sac State came in there and almost ruined it for them. Yeah, the final score is a little bit misleading. I think they kicked a field goal with like eleven seconds left. So. While the score shows that they won by seven, you know, Montana outplayed them in that second half, and the game wasn't probably as close as it shows. Just, I mean, Montana came out and, and owned that second half, so um, I think that was a really good win for the Grizz. But you had to have, I mean, Sac State came into a real hostile environment, played pretty damn well. So you put in the, in the Big Sky Conference power rankings that we just released on the website that you drafted, um, you have. Right now, the the Grizzlies at number four in the Big Sky. Above them, you have Eastern Washington, UC Davis, Weber State. How far of a gap do you think there is between a team like Weber State and Montana? I think Weber is Weber is somehow number six in the stats FCS poll. I, I don't see it. I don't get how. Um, I don't think there's a massive gap between Weber and the next few teams between Montana, Montana State, Northern Arizona, and Sac State. Uh, they haven't. I mean, they handled Northern Colorado last weekend, um, which I don't think is a super impressive game. I don't really know how they're number six in the stats poll. I, I just don't see it. Um, 
I don't think there's a massive gap between Weber and the next couple teams. So I think I mean I think the Grizz could you could. uh, I mean I I just don't think there's a big gap. I would still keep the Grizz at four and Weber at three, but I don't think there's a massive gap. And like our like our friend Minty Coach says, uh, you know, anything can happen in the Big Sky Conference, and it usually does. Uh, and we'll have Minty Coach on later in the pod to talk some double-A football, which we are excited about. Um, the, the games this week, uh, we're going to kind of punt the Montana State-Eastern Washington conversation to later in the podcast. We have Kyler Neal coming on from FCS Fans Nation, who's a big Eastern Washington guru. Um, so let's talk Grizz Cal Poly. The Grizz are 11.5-point favorites on the road, which... You, might be a little bit too much. Might be a little bit too much. On the one hand, Cal Poly is one and three, correct? Correct, with losses to number one North Dakota State, number ten Weber State, and number six Eastern Washington. Well, I I thought you, I, I mean, thought it was one schedule. North Dakota State five. Yeah, number five. It was number ten Eastern, Weber State at the time. Six Weber. It was number oh, they, Weber State yeah, was number I mean, ten at the time when they beat them. On September 8th. Yes, totally. And it, I think this is going to be a a shootout. Um, I think there's going to be... I think the Grizz offense is going to be able to move on Cal Poly. Um, but I think Cal Poly is going to be able to score. Their run game is going to be uh, just going all over the Grizzlies this week. It's... You never know when you play an option offense. We, you know, we say this every time the Grizz or the Cats play Cal Poly. Uh, we said this last year when Kennesaw State came into Bozeman. Preparing for that option offense is just really difficult. So, and that I don't you know. know, with seeing how the Grizz can be susceptible to the to the run game, especially after last week, and then how Sac State ran all over him in the first half is you know Joe Prothrow. We talked about the fullback. He has uh, 523 yards on the season four touchdowns so he's averaging 4.6 per game and 130 yards per contest so they've played four games he's averaging 130 he could do some damage against the Grizz but like you said I don't think that Cal Poly has the defensive uh, talent to stop Snelton Deed <laughs> yeah and I think the you know the who Grizz I think is the only Cal- Grizz player that like him and Jerry Lou McGee are the only two things they have on offense going for him right now I think but it's enough to beat Sac State, and it's going to be enough to beat Cal Poly. I think that's bullshit. I think that that is uh, the Grizz. Those are the two stars of the Grizz offense, which most offenses only usually have one or two stars. I think the Grizz across the board have been their wide receivers have been awesome. Uh, their running backs have left something to be desired. But when you have the big run from Gabe uh, Sulcer, how do you say his Sulcer. name? Sulcer. Sulcer. That's an easy one. You can just sign that one out. You can sound it out. Yeah, I went. I went with the U instead of the uh. That's weird. But Gabe Sulser. Sulser. Uh, <laughs> if he's gonna keep playing, if he's gonna get some more time, like I like where that running back core is going. Well, I'm just saying. I look at he's you look at their play. like even their, their stats from the last game against Sacramento State though. You know he spreads the ball around. There's 22 receptions, but the they weren't very big gains. Like, Jerry Lou McGee averaged 15.5. Keenan Kern had two receptions. One of them was a long of 33, so he averaged some good yards. But, every, I mean, he's, 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 he's distributing it around. There's a lot of 22 receptions. He had six, eight, 
eight, nine receivers that he hit, but none of them are going for that long. Like Jerry McGee and I think uh, Snead Dalton are the only two playmakers on the Grizz offense right now. Well, and then Seltzer. I have to give Seltzer credit. That was insane. He was so fast. But they, yeah, they only but got him the ball one time. I think you're minimizing the what it means to have a strong wide receiver core. I mean, Sacramento State put up a decent amount of points. They hit four wide receivers. In the Bobcats-Portland State game, there's a lot of points put up. Each of those teams hit six receivers. And you can kind of go through each game that happened this weekend. Well, I just like, don't see nine these receivers. Here's, here's the other. They're all just short dump-offs. Quarterbacks, here's the quarterbacks that hit more than eight wide receivers. Gage, Gubrod Gubrud, um, Jake Mayer-Meyer, and I think that's it. Everyone else was at like six or less receivers getting the ball. Whoa. The fact that the Grizz can hit nine is – oh, I'm sorry, Southern Utah uh, also threw the ball around a lot between their two quarterbacks. Um, so let's not minimize well, – four of the Grizz receivers got one catch each. Yeah, but that's – For one yard, still seven yards, nine, nine yards, and 12 yards. So two okay. of them were well, we can all step. we can all read box scores, and you can try to minimize each stat when you isolate it. But the fact that Dalton Sneed is getting the ball out to a bunch of different receivers, the Grizz are putting up 41 points. That's uh, I'm pretty happy with how things are going. Well, 21 of those were from him running the ball in, but I don't know. I just don't see it. But I think they're going to win. Like. Those two, Jerry Lou McGee and Snead Dalton, are enough to win this game against Scott Pauley. I think we're, we're saying the same thing there. I just don't see them being as electric, at, like the whole offense being as electric as people are saying. I think, I mean, the quarterback and, and Jerry Lou McGee are awesome, and he can always return uh, a punt to the house at any time. So, um, but yeah, I think this Cal Poly team just got absolutely shit canned by Eastern Washington 70 to 17. Yeah, they're. I mean, they have had success against the Grizz in the past. No matter what kind of season they're having, when the Grizz come down there and they go up to Washington Grizzly, they give the Grizz tough games. Like Cal Poly gets up for the Grizz, so that'll be something interesting. I still don't think it's enough to uh, really contend with the Grizz in this game, especially when we saw what they really were last weekend and let Eastern score seventy points on them. I just don't. Yeah, it's not going to be my must-watch game of the week. Well, I'm definitely going to watch well, it. Well, yeah, but I'm, on Pluto. I'm going to, you know, watch it. I'm going to keep track of it, but I just think I think the Grizz are going to handle this one. I won't. I won't put uh, too much. I won't get too excited on Saturday morning thinking that the Grizz might get upset. Yeah, though I do think it is uh, potentially something that could happen. <laughs> but, <laughs> so you're hedging it that it's a maybe a trap game of sorts. I just don't. The fact that it's on the road. The fact that it's. Uh, I, I thought Cal Poly was pretty good coming into this year, and they've just had such a tough schedule that I don't know what to think. I I don't think I think they're True. better than one. That's three. a good point. I mean, I just I mean I even explained it to you that they've lost to the one ten and six teams, and they only lost by seven to Weaver, and they beat a pretty weak Ivy League team in Brown. But the two like against North Dakota State and Eastern Washington, they lost by forty six to North Dakota State and 53 to Eastern Washington. So while they have played a tough schedule, they didn't really keep many of those close besides that Weber game. So I still, I mean, I think the Grizz will take care of them. I think we're agreeing there. It'd be fun to see Cal Poly keep it close, though, make the Grizz fans sweat a little well, bit. Well, Cal Poly has, they've played six times since 2009, according to Amy Dress' article this week, and Cal Poly is 4-2. Wow. 
That's something. None of them really were at when Hulk was, Hulk was at the helm, though. So we'll see if he gets his team up for another road game. But I might talk about that in my second and ten, so I don't want to go too far into that. So let's get into our second and ten. Uh, our second week in a row of switching it around a little bit and, and going second and ten. So uh, you're going to let me go first this week. Is that right? Yes, you are going first this week. All right. Well, my first one, and it's one of my favorite stories, uh, Idaho losing to UC Davis in their first game back in the Big Sky Conference since 1995. So they dropped down from the FBS. They're playing their first conference game back in the FCS. And UC Davis, of all teams, the first year that they're really starting to become a, a, a real contender in the Big Sky, Idaho has to go to Davis, and they get rocked by UC Davis. That game was uh, not as close as one would think it was. Uh, so UC Davis got them pretty good, and Idaho fans should now see that they should never have been in the FBS, that they're an absolute FCS team, and that they're not just going to drop down and be a contender in this, in this conference. I know it's only one game, but it made me so happy that they dropped down and UC Davis basically blew them out in their first game in the Big Sky Conference since 1995. You have to think that Idaho players, fans, folks in the program thought when we were dropping down in the Big Sky, we're going to dominate you know, we're yeah. a big FBS school. Uh, we went to a bowl game last year. We went to a, went to a bowl game in Boise last year. Uh, it did not work out super great for them. Uh, I love. I I'm glad Idaho's here, but I'm also glad this first year has kind of been a, a reality check for them about where their program is. Um, my my first one, number two on the list. The Cats are favored this weekend against Eastern Washington. Uh, they're favored this is by, weird. So weird, the line that came out, they, they're a one-point favorite when it opens. Uh, I'm going to bet the house. You'd be crazy not to bet the house, even though I don't really bet. I'm trying to find someone to take a bet. Uh, there is a 62-spot difference between Montana State and Eastern Washington in the Sagarin ratings. So if you look elsewhere, this would be the equivalent of of that same Sagarin gap, it would be the equivalent of Alabama being a one-point underdog in the ro- on the road at James Madison or Ohio State being a one-point underdog on the road at Army. It, and I have to say, so I, we got some intel on Twitter after I posted that on Twitter today that Montana State actually opened up as a seven-point underdog. And the line somehow moved to where we looked at it this afternoon and they were a one-point favorite, which means that people had to have been putting a ton of money on Montana State with the points, getting points, to get that line to move down as Montana State is a favorite now. And I just looked, and they've moved to a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And I don't know what's going on. I have no idea how this is happening. But right now, if you're looking at Vegas, looking at this game, Vegas has the Cats as a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. That's How does insane. that make any sense? No. There's something going on here. <laughs> no. It doesn't make any sense. Vegas usually, I usually trust Vegas, but let, I'm betting the house on, like, on Eastern. And right now, if you just picked Eastern straight up, you're not getting that one and a half points. You're going to, it's plus 100, meaning you bet a dollar, you win your dollar back plus another dollar. So it's basically even money. So I bet a thousand bucks on Eastern to win this game straight up. I'm going to get, I'm going to make a thousand dollars. Yeah, you should do I it. I don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't like to bet against or with Montana State, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from this one. But if I wasn't a fan of the Cats, I think I'd be hammering the hell out of Eastern Washington. All right, Jerry's giving us the eye. we got to move well, on. That was an interesting story, so Jerry can just hold on. So number two, my number two, is the Grizz on the road. It's one of my favorite Grizzly topics. 
And I'd like to tell you that in his return to the Grizz, Hawk has not won on the road yet. Did you okay. Know that? I did, did not. You, did you hear about that? Yeah. Hawk has not won on the road since his return to Montana. So now, are they going to have a come down from last week's crazy game against Port or against uh, Sac State? Are they going to be able to get up on the road in front of you know about fifteen thousand less fans that were in the stadium at, at Washington Grizzlies? So some to watch. I know we just talked about the Grizz and the um, and Cal Poly, and I think that the Grizz are going to win. But you never know. Hawk still hasn't won on the road since his return. Is he? Is he as advertised? We'll see. I don't this know. is another one of your ridiculous points where you always hammer the Grizz on the road over the past. 12 months the Grizz have lost on the road or I'm sorry the Grizz have won on the road twice they, they're not great on the road admittedly no. but at Portland State at Idaho State not very good not very impressive wins but during that same time period Nate the Bobcats also have two road wins against well, yeah. at Portland State and at Northern Colorado by three points so I get this well, that narrative, little that hook, narrative's not fun though I get this is your little fun hook. narrative this is your little hook, but I... But Choate has, but I will say our coaches, our current head coach has one on the road, and yours has not. My next topic, Montana <laughs> Parlay. The Montana Maine spent months searching for a gambling expert to bring into our little sports enterprise that we have. We went through dozens of resumes and finally settled on the person that we thought would give the best gambling advice uh, to our, our avid listeners Montana Parlay, 0-2 last week, 3-5 and on the year. You would be making more money betting against, betting against him, him every week. <laughs> so I guess this is just kind of an open call for more resumes. I hope uh, Montana he's is on, not, he's is on not listening. Uh, and he is certainly on the hot seat um, because my pocketbook is, is not looking too good after following his advice. Uh, yeah, I will not be probably following his advice this week well i might i haven't listened to it yet he sent it to me but i haven't listened to it yet but yeah i used to think he was all things fcs and now i just don't know he also told me uh that stay tuned for a <laughs> a story about how he bet on a the golden state warriors to win their first championship and then i think lost it all in a little league bet so you can see what we're dealing with here a guy that's betting on 12 i think he teased them together somehow oh god <laughs> So, like I said, this is the kind of gambling expert advice you're getting is a guy that's betting on 12-year-old kids in uh, Pennsylvania. So, that's just a warning. Send the resumes in. Send the resumes in as fast as you can, please. All right, so I'm going with number three. It's Montana State versus Eastern Washington this weekend. We already talked about that, and we're going to talk about it with Kyler Neal coming up. But just a little fun fact about the last six times these guys have played. A couple have been really close. So, Iwu has owned the Cats, though, I'll tell you that. Cats are 0-6 in their last six meetings, including in 2012, uh, Iwu won 27-24 in Bozeman, and that was the only Big Sky Conference loss for the Cats. It seems like such a long time ago that I could say that, that the Cats only had one Big Sky Conference loss. Since then, Eastern has put up 30-plus points in the last five games, including three of those over 50. So a 54-29 win, a 52-51 win, a 55-50 win. 41-17 41-17 win and a 31-19 win. So Eastern has absolutely owned the Bobcats these last few years. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a lot closer this week. I don't think it's going to be like 31-19, but I definitely think that both teams are probably going to score like 40-plus points. Well, it's uh, it's a good thing you have the bye week after this because you guys are going to get uh, 
the piss kicked out of you. Um, I'm going to save most of my thoughts for the our interview with Kyler, but I will be watching. I'm completely worried that there is something that, that we betters know, know. Like, is everyone going to get suspended uh, before? Or did they, one Mon- or did like one Montana State guy just take like a hundred G's and just <laughs> exactly. like throw it on? It was like, was it one bet that flipped the line, or is this a bunch of people that know something we don't know? I don't know. Like insider um, trading kind of thing. All right, my next one, I got a little quarterback, NFL quarterback comparison for you, Nate. Over the last 13 games, I'm going to give you two quarterbacks. You tell me which one is better, and then I'll reveal who they are. Player one, over their last 13 games, 2,369 yards, 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Player two, 2,326 yards, 11 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Who do I think those are? No, who do you think is better? Oh, shoot. Basically. Less interceptions. Yeah, well, basically exactly the same. They're the exact same. Yeah, one more touchdown. Player two has one more touchdown, one more interception, and like 30 less yards. Player one, Dak Prescott, starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Player two, our boy Brock Osweiler, who right now is sitting on the bench in Miami. He's getting wasted right now. Not wasted like drinking, but his talent is being wasted. Completely wasted. Tannehill's a bum. Tannehill's a bum. He's going to get hurt. Brock's going to come in. But we can't talk too much about Brock right now. Yeah, we got to save that. We got to save that. All right, so I'm going to get on to my next one. North Dakota losing to Idaho State. So North Dakota, all you have to play for is an at-large bid. You're at home. You're coming off a win against number five Sam Houston State. At the time, number five, Sam Houston State, who just lost again last week to like Nichols State or something, so they're now number 21. It's beside the point. You, all you have to do is just win games. You don't have anything to play for in the conference. You need to imp- in, impress the committee to get into the playoffs this year as an independent, and you come home to Grand Forks, and you let the Bengals come in and beat you. And now we were talking about, remember we were talking about betting last week? We're on this little betting tangent right now. You were, is this, can you confirm or deny that you were willing to bet your condo on North Dakota beating Idaho State? I was willing to put significant money on North Dakota State winning that game. North it Dakota. was insane to me that Idaho State was, was, uh, was favored. But thank God I don't have a betting account. Thank God I don't live near a casino that will take bets because I saved my condo. But we always like to see North Dakota lose, so that was kind of cool. But does that make you think, you know, we were so sure that uh, North Dakota was going to win that game that we were going to bet condos that maybe we should be thinking that the Cats are going to win this game now that, we, now that we're getting a weird line? Sure. It's certainly make, making me think twice. Yeah, um, and, bet that condo I will say, um, just one quick programming note. Uh, we were talking before we started recording at our pre-show, and producer Jerry uh, gave us the go-ahead. When we rank teams going forward – we're going to start ranking North Dakota. Even though they're not in the Big Sky Conference, they basically have a Big Sky schedule. They're going to be a constant point of conversation. So let's just kind of loop North Dakota in for the Big Sky Conference for the rest of the year. Sounds good. My next one, my number four, number eight overall, Case Cookis, just kind of a general, like, what the hell is going on with him? (laughs) Um, I've been searching for information on when he's getting back. This is Northern Arizona's stud quarterback. I was very high in Northern Arizona, largely because of Case Cookus. And there is, I mean, you've been searching for it too. If you search it on I Twitter, did, yeah. on Google, there's no information as to when he's getting back. Uh, I did find on Twitter a picture with him. Uh, so 
coming into last weekend's game, he was apparently a game time decision. A picture posted after the game had a fan, a Northern Arizona fan, posing for a picture with Case Cookus, and Case has a big sling on and his arm wrapped in something. So it doesn't look like he's super close to coming back. Um, but I will say Daniel Bridge, uh, gold from NAU, had a great game last week. He looked very good. He's a UW transfer. So he had a shaky first week taking over for Case. Looked good next week. So maybe Northern Arizona will be able to deliver on the promises I made for them earlier this season. Yeah, I tried to look. I was actually the power rankings for last week that I tried to look up what his status was. And the only thing I could find was for the previous game. Like, there's just he's a mystery man right now. We have no idea what's going on. I'm sure there's some Northern Arizona version of Egris that we could probably dip into. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it either. There's not. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's either super underground, like like cases right now. Like, maybe that's just the thing. It's like everything NAU is underground. I could not find anything. I tried. All right, my final one. Uh, and you know this, and everybody on the JV podcast, the Grid fan, Grizz fans podcast knows this, but I think preseason polls and polls probably in the first four weeks – of the season are very, very stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. So why do we rank teams, besides being able to talk about them and fill time in a podcast, why do we rank teams in the preseason when we know literally nothing about them? Sam Houston State, my first example. They were number five when they came into the, in the preseason polls. Then they lost to North Dakota and dropped down. Then they lost to Nichols State or Nichols or whoever the hell they are. And now they're still in the damn top 25 at number 21. How is that possible? How are they still ranked in the top 25? It makes no sense to me. And I know at the end of the season, it really doesn't matter. They're going to look at their, their, their body of work at large, but I still hate polls. I don't get why Weber is number six, but UC Davis is number 19. The only reason is because of the preseason polls. I hate preseason polls. And that's my soapbox. Yeah, I'll say that I hate them. you complain about this every week. It's, they're, of course, an imperfect thing, uh, polls. I do think that the polls, especially in the FCS, it, it, they're pretty sticky. And what I mean by that is the preseason poll tends to set the tone going forward. You see that with the yeah. example you just gave. But also, team like UC Davis is ranked number 22, where if you were just starting now looking at their body of work, they would definitely be higher than that. But the fact that they started the season outside of the top 25 – has just made it so they need to jump over these other teams ahead of them. Um, I kind of and we could actually ask our on our on our interview tonight with Kyler Neal. He's a stats voter. We could ask him like how why does this happen? Like why wouldn't you just immediately input UC Davis in that like the number twelve spot? Yeah, well I don't get it. It, it is why do they have to work their way in from like the twenty fifth spot? If you look at um, if you count UND North North Dakota as a Big Sky school. In the top 40 of the stats poll, we have the Big Sky Conference has Eastern Washington 5, Weber State 6, UM 17, UC Davis 22, Montana State 26, North Dakota 30, Idaho State 34, Sac State 35, and NAU 37. That's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 teams in the top third of the rankings for the entire FCS. It's pretty good for, for the Big Sky That's Conference. Good. While polls are stupid, I will take pride in that. Yeah. Uh, my last one, uh, speaking of polls, speaking for about a team that's finished in the bottom of a lot of polls, double-A football, Hellgate High School last weekend, last Friday night, defeated uh, CM Russell out of Great Falls. It ended a losing streak that dated back to 2012, back to the first Obama administration. 
they uh, knocked them off in a, in a pretty exciting game. I was following it on Twitter. I wasn't there. They've gone 0-47 uh, in games that they played. They forfeited all of last season, so they've been 0-57 technically since their last uh, their last victory. So hats off to them, and they couldn't have beat a, a better school in CMR. I love watching CMR lose as a great false high guy. Uh, we just got a text from uh, Minty Coach, who is our AA uh, connoisseur who was supposed to join us for an interview he might still do that but in case he doesn't join I just want to pose this question and we'll put it out on Twitter is there who is the easiest double-a school to hate in Montana I would have to say it's CMR but who else would you put on that list as a Billings guy shoot I was an a guy so I would say um, I don't have uh, but my whole family was great false high so I have to say CMR as well okay I think it's a no-brainer but Hopefully we get Minty Coach on to talk about it. If not, we'll throw that up on Twitter and, and uh, let you guys decide. So that was our second and ten. Let's get into our crowns, our second favorite segment of the week. I'm going to let you go first. You're going to go first with your player. My player, well, i got to give it to my boy, Cody Graves. Your I want to give the, def- <laughs> the, the defense some love. Uh, we've been pretty offensive heavy. But Cody Graves, a linebacker for Idaho State, he was crucial in their win over North Dakota that we just discussed. He had 14 tackles in the game and was a big part of the defense that held North Dakota North Dakota scoreless in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, Cody, you get the crown for the week from the old Bear Tycoon. Well, you say we were pretty offensive heavy, but I'm pretty sure two weeks ago I gave it to some Grizz linebacker. So maybe you were a little who, offensive heavy. Yes. Who do you got? Well, this is uh, kind of a good segue. I have to give it to Dalton Sneed. So uh, I'll tell you, I had had Troy Anderson written down first, and I'm going to sneak this in there. He had 107 yards through the air and 211 211 yards on 22 carries. So I wrote that down. I was like, yep, that's my dude. I'm going to homer it again. And then I looked at the Grizz box score, and I was like, ah, shit, I have to give it to Snelton Deed. So 22 of 35, 234 yards through the air, and then he has 206 yards on the ground for four touchdowns total. Like, you can't have much more of a perfect offensive game than that in terms of contributing in all facets and really just basically winning the Grizz the game. So I have to give my crown to another Grizz player as much as I hate doing so. But uh, Sneed Dalton, you're my crown of the week for player. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he wanted to look good in front of Dave Dickinson. He did. Who do you have? Who do you want to give your crown to for the team for the week? So people are probably going to think I'm like a UC Davis fan now and not a Montana State fan, but I'm giving it back to UC Davis, 44 to 21 versus Idaho. We talked about how they welcomed them back to the Big Sky and kicked their ass. At one point, did you know? Did you did you see this in the box score? They were up 44 to seven at one point against Idaho. So that 44, yeah. So they they beat Idaho by 23, but it was actually oh, way worse God. than that 23. Jake Mayer Meyer again with another great game. Uh, he has a hell of a receiving core down there at UC Davis up in Northern California. So I have to give mine to Davis. I'm just basically going to say that they beat Idaho 44 to seven. I'm not going to give Idaho credit for the 14 points they scored in the fourth quarter. Here's a fun fact: uh, UC Davis passed for 256 yards yards and also rushed for 256 that's what you call balance that is what you call a perfectly balanced offense my team i'm giving the crown to the team that i think is the best in the big sky not just on a week-by-week basis but overall and that unquestionably is eastern washington right now yes they destroyed cal poly 70 to 17 we already kind of touched on this uh you know 
they are they are just dominating. Um, I'm excited to talk about this with our boy uh, uh, Kyler Neal here in a sec, but Eastern Washington gets my crown for just their utter domination. I think, and I, I think on that topic sometimes, because Eastern has been the class of the big sky for how many years now? I mean, it's been a little while, right? At sure. least, I mean, the Cats were won the conference twelve. They only had one conference loss. But let's just say Eastern. I mean, Eastern's been good for a while now. Sometimes their dominance is getting a little mix. bit boring. They've been in the mix as the top team for a while now. What a dozen years? Yeah. Since yeah. Sometimes I mean, like, I don't know. You just assume. Sometimes I don't give my crown to them. I think because I'm bored with how good they are right now. That yeah. doesn't make sense. It may kind of make sense, but it's well. It's like where Michael Jordan. Yeah. Lost the MVP to Carl Malone. Exactly. That's why. But that's why I'm giving it to I'm giving it to Davis because I they're my sweetheart uh, of the year so far. But all right, you know uh, you know what else I love besides UC Davis being good. What's that? The Hotel Finland. So this. Ooh, ep- me too, man. <laughs> yeah, this episode and all of our podcasts are brought to you by the Hotel Finland in the amazing city of Butte, Montana. The Hotel Finland offers affordable luxury options at the same price or cheaper than those boring ass hotel chains that you find along the interstates. Nobody wants to stay out at those boring hotel chains on the interstate. More importantly, we talk about this every week, but we here at the Montana Mint. Montana Mint Sports Podcast. We made a decision early in the year that we're only going to partner with cool brands, cool Montana brands. Uh, Hotel Finland is one of those brands. They are not only fighting to keep Butte great, Montana great, but they're also helping small companies like the Montana Mint keep the lights on. We appreciate their support. We all love Montana, so let's support places like Hotel Finland. You can book your room at finland.com. It's F-I-N-L-E-N.com. And Nate... You know if you're at the Finland, you also have to stop by the Cavalier Lounge. The Cavalier Lounge recently installed the Smooth Operator, which we talk about every week, and it's still amazing. Every time I go to Butte, even if I'm not staying at the Finland, if I'm just driving through, I'm going to the Cavalier Lounge, I'm getting something there, it's out of the Smooth Operator. It's a contraption that infuses your beer with fresh fruit and ingredients and chills it to the perfect temperature. Here's two things about the Cavalier Lounge, the Finland, and Butte. Uptown is the second largest historic district in the USA, Pretty cool. And the Smooth Operator is the only one of its kind in the country. It's the only one in the country. If you're in Great Falls, you go to the Sip and Dip Lounge. If you're in Butte, you gotta get a beer out of the Smooth Operator. So book your rooms at thefinland.com, F-I-N-L-E-N.com, and support a great Montana business. Coming up next, we got Kyler Neal, who is gonna talk Eastern Washington and their game against the Montana State Bobcats. All right, so we are here with our interview of the week with Kyler Neal. He is a stats top 25 poll voter. He helps run the FCS Fan Nation. If you haven't seen that, you have to check it out on Twitter, online. They have a podcast. They have some great content over there if you're a fan of FCS. And if you're listening to this, odds are you are. So welcome on, Kyler. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. Um, it's a little late here in Houston, but it's not bad. Uh, so thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we, pre- we appreciate having you on, and we should also mention that uh, the main reason we have Kyler on here is he is the Eastern Washington alumnus and super fan. So we did want to pick his brain a little bit this weekend, him being a little more knowledgeable on the Eastern uh, Washington side of things as they come to Bozeman uh, to take on the Bobcats this weekend in a very highly anticipated matchup. So, uh, again, we thank 
him for being on here. And Derek Tycoon, did you, I'm going to let you go first with your question. Sure. So my first question, uh, the quarterback for Eastern Washington, is it Gage Gubrud, 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 or Gubrud? So I've always called him Gage Gubrud. Gubrud? Maybe I'm wrong on that. Yeah, Gubrud. See, I like Gubrud. Gubrud the dude is what I've always hoped for. But we, we never I know. It. I feel like that's we always get it wrong. <laughs> that's, that's at least what I've called him. Uh, you know, I've been away from Eastern for the last couple of years, and now now they're just starting to show Eastern games on, on TV now for Pluto Sports. And that, since I've been in Houston and, you know, Arizona, I haven't been able to really watch a lot of Eastern games until these last two seasons. And that's what the, the sportscasters are saying, too. Gubrud. So I assume that's it. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, okay, we'll go with Gubrud. Yeah, I'm, I'm, re- <laughs> I'm relying on you, the expert. Um, let me ask you this. So you may have seen on Twitter the Cats opened as a, as a uh, seven-point underdog going into this game the line has since dramatically dropped and the bobcats are now favored by a point and a half as we're recording this on on wednesday night what the hell is going on really i i did not know that uh what would you have guessed the line I mean, was i would have figured we had been a you know eastern would have been at least a seven to ten point favorite totally uh, sure. I would have guessed too, yeah. but i mean the bobcats are a strong team um well, you know they they do have that one that. loss, but well, <laughs> I think they're a strong team. But and I, I know that one loss against South Dakota State didn't prove a lot because Troy Anderson really didn't play quarterback. And you know the week prior he was the whole you know offense from Montana State. So um, I think Montana State is getting better. Um, but I, I'm surprised that they're a favorite. Is this from Five Dimes or this is Five Dimes? Yes. Okay, man. Yeah, I would have never thought that. Yeah, we wouldn't have either. We saw that this afternoon. We just started, like, texting each other and in our Slack, like, what the hell is going on? Is there something we don't know? <laughs> so we, we were hoping that we didn't know if, if you had any inside information uh, from uh, Cheney that says that, like, Gage Gabrud got suspended for the rest of the year or <laughs> if something happened. Do you have any inside information on why this would be happening? No clue. Um, we are healthy. <laughs> Everyone should be traveling to Bozeman. Um, you know, our star running back last year – you know, he played in his first game this last week. He's coming. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a surprise. Maybe it's it's that home field advantage they're giving Montana, you know. Montana State 10 points, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, we, we don't know either. So, we're, I mean, I'm down with it if they're going to call us the favorites, but we better show up. So, um, so far this season, you know, Eastern's been very, very strong. 3-1 uh, and one with their only loss coming to FBS Wazoo Washington State, which they were pretty much in that game the whole time. But so, so far in the season, who would you say, who's the one impact player on offense besides Gage and the one impact player on defense that, that you said has stepped up, that you think has stepped up this year that Montana State should be worried about? So one thing I, I will say, um, I don't even know if I can break this down to one player, but, you know, Eastern's not been known as a running favorite team. You know, we have been a pass-happy team the last seven-plus years, you know, the last time we were a good running team was back in the Taiwan Jones Taiwan Jones days where, you know, we won the national championship. But I'd give the whole credit to our backfield this year, not even Gage, not our receivers, even though Simba Webster is looking phenomenal. But um, I'd give the credit to, you know, our three running backs who have been um, dominating. They're averaging almost 300 yards per, per game, which is, you know, double what we did last year. Yeah, that's one thing when you think of Easter Washington, you're not thinking of a running attack. That's a very good point. No. And we're in the country right now. 
Yeah, and then that's insane, and that's scary, actually. Um, and then the defensive side, I mean, they're, they're a stout defense this year, and it's another thing that Eastern hasn't specifically hung their hat on. Everybody thinks about their high-flying offense, and Cooper Cup and Gabrud and, you know, all the right. quarterbacks that they've had in the past. So what's changed with that defense? So, for one, I think when you, when you look at the perception of how Eastern Washington plays, um, we score really fast. We score in a minute. We score in two minutes. Like, two-minute drives are, are really long for us. So a majority of the time, the, the opposing team is going to get the ball a lot more than they would against anyone else. If you're getting the ball a lot more, you're going to rack up more yards. I mean, that's just you know common sure. sense if you look at it that way. Um, but if you look at you know the Cal Poly game, we averaged in North Dakota State's you know, by far the best defense in the FCS, right? So we only averaged, um, you know, giving up Cal Poly nine more yards per possession, not per drive, per possession. I mean, you know, not per downs, but per possession. So our defense is stepping up. I think one of the biggest biggest assets for that is um, JT Tooley. So he was injured pretty much all of last year. He was a big sky conference All-American from Hero Sports. He's a, you know, 320-pound DL who can, I mean, he's fast for his size. So I really think it's um, JT, Kettner Cup. Um, we just have a lot of seniors in our backfield which is really helping out our defense. We were young. We were unexperienced last year. Um, but, yeah, I would say JT Julie is definitely, like, our player to watch. He's a big DL. Okay. Now I'm even more scared. <laughs> yeah, it was – so he, he got injured last year, I believe, um, the Texas Tech game. So we got a redshirt him the whole year, which is nice because he was okay. a senior. So he's, you know, fifth-year senior. Um and he's a, he's a big scary kid, and if he stays healthy, you know he's going to cause problems for for most most O lines. Great, Takeun. Did you did you have anything? Well, I'm just looking over. So, Eastern's got the number three total offense in the country. They have obviously the number one offense in the Big Sky, the number one rushing offense in the Big Sky. Uh, I think it's safe to say you guys are the top dog in the Big Sky Conference. I gave you my crown of the week earlier in the podcast. Um, looking at your schedule, your remaining schedule, you have Bobcats this week, Southern Utah, but then you go on the road at Weber State. Later in the season, you have UC Davis at home, who's kind of been the surprise of the year. Who, yep. Which of those two teams are you most scared of? Out of Weber or UC Davis, or are we including Montana State in there? You don't know. Let's include Montana State in there. You can put Montana State in there, but you don't have to talk about them. <laughs> so I actually, um, if, if you guys follow me online at all, you know, I've been a big advocate on Weber not doing well, and so far they've been proving me wrong, but I'm still not sold on Weber. Um, UC Davis is coming to Cheney in November. Now, they're, they're definitely a pass-happy offense, and their defense is, I think, so-so. Um, they played lights out against Idaho, but I don't know if they'll be able to run the ball like Eastern can this year. So I actually think Montana State on the road is our hardest game on the remaining schedule, and that's just not me saying that because, you know, you guys are on the phone. Um, it's just I'm not sold on Weaver yet. Their offense is shaky to me. They're, they have a stellar defense, but I don't know if they can keep up with off, keep up with us offensively and then – UC Davis, you know, if it was in California in the warm weather, that might be a different thing. But traveling to Cheney in November, that's going to be tough, I think, for a California team. 
Okay, so I'm glad we included Montana State in that. Yeah, I mean, I think, and you guys can call me biased, I think, I think we run the table this year. Um, but I, I do think Montana State is a tough game. I think Weber will be a tough game. Um, but I think Montana State will give us the most fits. So how would you say, so you're looking at this game this weekend and you just said that you know, Montana State scares you the most out of those three teams. How does Montana State win this game? Like, how does Montana State stand a chance in this game from your opinion? Where can they attack on the Eastern Washington side? Well, if it was any other year, I'd say, you know, if you're playing zone coverage, you have a pretty good shot. But now since our running game is so strong, now you have to play man, which opens up our receivers who I still think are, you know, one of the you know one of the best receiving cores in all the FCS. So playing man is going to be difficult. Playing zone is going to be difficult. Um, and now you just don't have to contain Gage. You have to try and contain a whole offense, which is going to be tough. Um, I think the way you win, you're going to have to force turnovers somehow. If it's stripping the ball, if it's intercepting, um, you're definitely going to have to force turnovers. And Eastern, I think Eastern is going to, you know, if, if Montana State plays an East, a perfect game and Eastern plays a really good game or maybe a good game, Montana State can come out with a win, but you guys have to play a perfect game, in my opinion. Where do you rank out of – so now Idaho's back in the big sky, and I think there's kind of a natural rivalry there with Eastern. Kind of give us the, the top four schools in the big sky that you consider to be Eastern's rivals. Not necessarily their peers, but their, their rivals in the conference. Okay. So, I mean, I, I started going to Eastern in 2007. Montana for Eastern fans – is still our biggest rival. I know we're not Montana's biggest rival, but for Eastern fans, Montana is that one game on the schedule we don't want to lose. Second would be Montana State. Um, I think Idaho coming in will eventually change that, but I'm at least I'll know for sure when I go up there um, for the Idaho game. Um, but I'm pretty sure Montana State is still our number two in terms of we don't want to lose to them. Then I would say Idaho, and then probably. Weber or Northern Arizona, um, even though Portland State is technically Eastern's rival, I can promise you none of us care about Portland State. Um, so I, I would say the top three, Montana, Montana State, Idaho, and then it's crapshoot between Weber, NAU, you know, those type of teams. So you're Portland State's number one rival, but Portland State you don't consider a rival probably. We don't, and I mean, technically they're they're one of our protected rivals, um, and we show up for the game, but I can honestly say we don't get as hyped for that game as we do when Montana or Montana State comes into town. Um, you know, Portland State just hasn't really done it for us lately, um, at least since I've been there. So they're technically our rivals, our number two rival, I guess, since, you know, Montana's no longer our protected rival, but yeah us students really don't view it as anything super special. It's just another big, big sky conference game. Totally. Well, I love, I love, I love having Eastern Washington in the conference. I do love the rivalry, but it's funny that both Montana schools are number one and number two. I think it's kind of like, like the blue Jays and the AL East where, you know, they're, they can be a very good team. They've got some world series championships. They compete for the division title. Um, 
the Yankees and Red Sox view themselves as each other's top rival and don't even think about the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays get up big time for, uh, yeah, when the Red Sox or Yankees come to town. For sure. I think eventually Idaho is going to change into that number one rival for us because they are closer. Um, but, I mean, before Idaho came in here, the closest school is Montana. And then, you know, Montana State and Portland State are about the same distance. Portland State might be a little more, but Montana State's more competitive, and they bring more fans than Portland State does. So that's why we viewed them as more our rivals. But, I mean, outside of Montana, for us, we didn't really have a true rival um, until Idaho's coming in. And I think within three, four years, it's going to be a huge rivalry for us. So I'm really excited that, they're coming, that they did come back. So speaking of Montana and that rivalry, how amazing was it last year to see them collapse in the second half of Easter and escape uh, Missoula with that win? Oh, man. So I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with Kelsey Hatch on Twitter. She's like Eastern's biggest fan. She was texting me throughout the whole game because she was there. She's like, man, we're losing. We're going to lose. And I just said, no, we got this. We still are. (laughs) I told her our deficit still isn't as bad as Delaware had on us. So I said, we still got a chance. And we came back, and any win over Montana is happy. But to beat them in their own home and, you know, come back with 42 points in the second half, oh, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I was too. I'm a Bobcat fan, and that excited me. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah, I have, it was pretty amazing. I have different memories from that game. You probably don't remember much of the, you know, fourth quarter. <laughs> probably had to drink the sorrows away. <laughs> yeah. I was drinking to celebrate. Bear Tycoon was drinking to forget. Right. So speaking, so you are a uh, top 25 voter for stats poll. I am. And one thing we've always wondered is how do voters, how do you keep track of all the teams in the FCS and each week be able to confidently turn in a top 25 ballot with just everything going on, the time change differences, um, just all the different variables that can happen in a poll like how do you look at it how do you confidently turn in a poll each week so you know in the preseason i map out um pretty much every single team who their first opponent is and in preseason your your rankings are always a little shaky um as we go further down the down the year you know polls become more accurate but i have an excel spreadsheet with every single team um, and I have like eight different categories, and it's, it's win loss, who their opponent is, is their opponent, you know, FBS, is it Power Five, is it G5, um, you know, their margin of victory, their margin of loss, are they beating ranked teams, are they losing to unranked teams, um, how close is the game? So, I mean, a pretty good stack of notes, and I try and watch, you know, at least a couple games every weekend, um, but I'm on my ESPN app. Um, following up with pretty much every highlight and and yeah i mean it, it is it is tough um especially these last couple of weeks because there were some some big losses to unranked teams and stuff like that but um i don't know it it gets easier the more you do it okay yeah we never know definitely having a spell spreadsheet is nice <laughs> <laughs> how what percentage of voters do you think are as organized as you um, probably not many. Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. I know um, Lawrence Smith, who's, you know, a JMU alumni, and, and he runs FCS page with me. Um, he's pretty organized as well. But those are the only two people that I know are, 
you know, voters and, and have actually seen their work. Because him and I compare our notes, you know, every week since we have um, podcasts and, you know, daily interactions with each other. But um, I doubt everyone is as organized as me when it comes to ranking their teams. And I think some teams, um, people from the East Coast probably haven't heard of much, like UC Davis. So they're not getting as much love as people from the West Coast. And we've seen what UC Davis has done so far this year. So I ranked UC Davis a lot higher than I'm sure 90% of the, the polls did. Well, you're definitely right on yeah, UC we, Davis. Yep. Yeah, we talked about that earlier in the podcast about how Davis is 3-1 and one and they're like creeping up the polls, but they're still in that at 19. We think they, they should be a lot higher, but that's a good point. You know, you have those well, East Coast voters who have no idea what Davis is doing, and so uh, hopefully they keep moving up because we do like to see them be competitive. Oh, for sure. Like, um, you know, UC Davis's first win was the first FCS over FBS win. And now since I'm in Houston this year, I finally got to experience that East Coast bias. So I was watching the game, but the game didn't get over till 1 a.m. my time. And all the news publications, you know, from Eurosports and the, the people who cover even stats, they already posted their week one um, wrap-up at midnight. And the UC Davis game was, you know, not even halfway through oh, the wow. game. So... That, I experienced it firsthand. I was like, what, what the heck are you doing? This is the first FCS win, you know, of the year, and it, it's 2 o'clock at, <laughs> on the East Coast. So I totally get why it's harder to watch Big Sky teams and why we probably don't get as much credit as we deserve. Um, but then again, you look at, you know, our playoff performance, most of the time we're not really cutting it. So it's a catch-22. All right. Well, hey, Kyler, thanks so much for for jumping on the call. We'll definitely be watching Eastern this weekend. I'll be rooting for them with you uh, against the Bobcats. But we'll have you on, uh, hopefully before the end of the year, probably talk about some playoff stuff. But before you leave, uh-huh. we have to get your prediction for this week. Oh, yeah. What's your call. score? Okay. Um, so I don't think anyone in the big sky scores 30 on us, and I don't think anyone contains us to 30. Um, that's my prediction for the whole year. So I think we go into Bozeman, we win probably 42 to 21 or 24. Right. I, I, there it is. I don't we'll think it's going to be Maybe. I, I think the game will be closer than the score shows. All right. Well, we'll take it. It's going to be a fun game. We were looking forward to it. I always love uh, we get up for Eastern Washington, too, so it's going to be a blast. So, yeah, like uh, Baratai Kudum said, we thank you for uh, coming on. We'll definitely talk to you soon. And also head over on Twitter, go to FCS Fan Nation, check it out. They have a ton of great stuff if you're an FCS fan. So, again, Kyler, thank you. All right, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, again, thank you to Kyler Neal for coming on and talking to us about Eastern Washington and Montana State. Now we're going to send it on over to Montana Parlay to see if he can improve on his, well, less than stellar record this year. Welcome to another week of picks. I'm Montana Parlay. Last week, you would have been a lot better off betting against me as I went 0-2. The Cats looked great against a miserable team in Portland. And Montana nearly lost at home to Sac State, who Bobby said was the best team they've played this year. I'm not sure about that, Coach, but moving on. The Bobcats 
post-Eastern Washington in what should be a thriller where they are surprisingly one-point favorites. If you're a Bobcat hater or love Gabrud, time to jump on that line, jump on it hard, and jump on it early. I like Eastern Washington to win this game. Sorry, Bobcats. Eastern Washington, 44, Montana State, 37. Montana travels to California for their first road game in Big Sky Conference play, where they are 11.5 point favorites against Cal Poly. I'm going to take the points. Not sure what to do here. Montana seems to be all over the place when it comes to covering the spread. That'll do it for this week's picks. Maybe you should fade me. So once again, we want to thank Kyler Neal. We want to thank Montana Parlay for joining us on this podcast today. And we have a new segment for you. Ready? You ready, Bear Tech Kid? Yep, I'm so ready. So we are officially a Calgary Stampeders podcast of the Canadian Football League. How about that? I'm all in on the Stampeders, dude. We're all in on the Stampeders. We're so in on the Stampeders that we're now calling them the Calgary Stamps. <laughs> we okay. got Dave Dickinson coaching. Well, let's hear why are we calling them the Stamps? Well, that's, that's what all the real fans call them. Oh, I love it. Yeah, we're big Stamp yeah, guys. We're some big Stamps fans. So like you were about to say, we have Montana boy Dave Dickinson as the head coach. And we have now one of our favorite guests that we've ever had, Alex Singleton, as the defensive MVP in the Canadian Football League playing for Calgary. So big Stamps fans. And now that we've announced it, uh, we can also announce that we're the number one Calgary Stampeders podcast in Montana. We did it, baby. We did it, and we're so proud of it. So this week we have uh, the Toronto Argonauts, I hate them, are coming to Calgary to play the Stampeders. Um, I will say that the Argonauts, there's a bone to pick. Uh, the Argonauts lost two of the regular season games to Calgary last year and then beat uh, our Stamps in the Grey Cup. So uh, there's some revenge. We, we beat them on June 23rd, 41-7, so I don't think it's going to be a problem this weekend. So boy, do we hate those Argonauts, and I think our Stamps are going to roll this weekend. What do you think? Yeah, our guys are going to be up, ready to go, knock off the, the Argonauts. like The defending you know, champion Argonauts, who they shouldn't be. It should be the defending champion Stamps. But, um, but like Alex said last week, you know, anything can happen on a Sunday. Do they usually play on Sundays? Is it Sunday? Like, usually Friday. Fridays or Saturdays. It's a Friday. Yeah. It's a Friday game yeah. this week. There's some Good. Sunday games, I think, probably. Good. Yeah. But, well, we'll oh, but big news. Big news just broke a day ago about our Stamps. Yeah. Ready? Oh, let's hear it. Yeah. So, actually, two big things. First, okay. Stamps rolling out a New Jersey combo for this Argonauts game. Ooh. So, we're going with some, like, red with some black on the shoulder, but then the helmet's is next level. That's where it's at. We have our we have our mascot Mustang on the helmet with some, like, kind of like the Jaguars helmets that go from black to red as they go back. Oh, I love it. I'm ready for them. They're called, they're um, actually the Red Rush jersey combination. So get ready for that when we play. And then also, we can clinch a playoff spot with a win over the Argonauts this weekend. Oh, yeah. Our guys are going to get up. Dave Dickinson's going to be on a high from his big weekend in Missoula. I feel good about this. Alex Singleton's going to be on his high after the bye week and coming on uh, our podcast. And all the great press he got. Yeah, yeah, everything is going the Stamps way. Nothing's going to change from the momentum they've had these last couple of weeks. 
Uh, I'm calling it Calgary 44, Toronto 7. Yeah, I had the exact same score. Congrats exact to us score. both, too, for finally getting there. Number one Calgary Stampeders podcast in the entire United States. We're pretty excited about that. So congratulations, Bear Tycoon. Uh, we did it. It took us 22 episodes, but we did it. You too, bud. Thanks, man. So, yeah, now we get on to back to the Big Sky Conference. Uh, we are still the number one Big Sky podcast probably in the world as well. Yeah. Can you, can you confirm that? Uh, I think we probably are. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, good enough know. for me, man. That's good yeah, enough. Yeah. It looks good for my house. So, yeah, we are uh, the number one Calgary Stamps podcast, the number one Big Sky Conference podcast, and we have some matchups this week. Are you ready for the matchups? Is that a yes? Yeah, let's hear the let's hear the matchups. You were that excited. You the stamps took all your energy. <laughs> let's you hear so, it, man. What were you what were you looking up? Were you looking up like where you can get the new Red Rush uniforms? I was looking up uh, the Dolphins box score from last weekend. Oh, I wonder why. Okay, well we'll just leave that for a second. But here's our matchups for the week. We have North Dakota taking on Northern Colorado, who I have as number. 11 in our power rankings. We have Eastern Washington, who I have number one, coming to take on Montana State, the number five team in the power rankings. Northern Arizona goes to Idaho State. That'll be a pretty good game, and that could really uh, rearrange the conference. We have Portland State going to Idaho, and we have Montana going to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Which one's your game of the week? So we've already, there's a lot of bye weeks, obviously. There are a lot of bye weeks, Um, yes. The game that I'm going to be most interested in is that Northern Arizona game. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, Northern Arizona going through some injuries. They had a, a weird non-conference schedule with Gabrud going down. But winning game one, uh, winning game one against Southern Utah, uh, being 1-0 in conference, they kind of need to to get this win at Idaho State this weekend because they go – they would then go and play Weber State the week after and then have their bye. So assuming that Cookus comes back uh, after the bye week, if not before, be nice and healthy to close out the year. So Northern Arizona, I'll be watching at Idaho State. That is going to be a good game. We have no idea if Cookus is coming back, but uh, like I wrote in our power rankings online, this is the one that has a chance to rearrange the power rankings. We have NAU at six right now and Idaho State at eight, but they're only... Uh, actually separated by 13 ranks in the Sagarin rank, which ranks all FCS and FBS schools. So it's a very close game. And, for, and I think everybody kind of has a Northern Arizona bias where they think they're probably heads and shoulders above Idaho State if you're just kind of looking at it on paper. But these yeah. are two really evenly matched teams. I'm going to call it. I believe Idaho State wins this game. Is that your game of the week as well? Uh, it has to be, yeah. I mean, if we're not counting the Montana State and the Montana game, which we're biased Yeah, these towards, other games are awful. Yeah, Portland State and Idaho. I mean, Idaho should get their first Big Sky Conference win in 23 years. It would be kind of cool if they didn't, um, if, if Portland State <laughs> pulled yeah, off the upset. It would be really but, funny. But, yeah, Portland State, Idaho, and, and North Dakota and Northern Colorado, any game that has Northern Colorado in it, I'm not going to watch. Yeah, until they win a game, I'm not – I'm assuming they'll never win a game. So if you look at uh, ESPN and you look at the ticket prices, what would you guess is the cheapest ticket of the week? That's a great question. I would say it has to be North Dakota at Northern Colorado. No. North, North Dakota at Northern Colorado, you can get tickets as low as 10 bucks, But Portland State at Idaho, you can get tickets as cheap as 6 bucks. <laughs> so the Kibbe Dome is going to be rocking this weekend in Moscow, oh Idaho. Oh, God. They have, I guess that it's a big stadium. 
Um, they have more seats to fill, but that is that is embarrassing. Okay, so now it's obviously going to be between Eastern and Montana State in the Grizz and Cal Poly game. What's the most expensive ticket? Montana State. Yeah, but only by a dollar. So there's 50 tickets left for $31 for that Eastern Washington Montana State game, and there's only 16 tickets for 30 bucks in that Montana Cal Poly game. That's very very good research, Nate. Thank you. It was all on the same page. I just kind of ad libbed there. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the bye weeks are kind of throwing us off because there's not a ton of and we're so big sky action. Our Stamps game. Yeah. Well, I almost Friday forgot night. that we were a big sky podcast. Yeah, my Friday night's covered. I got Friday the Stamps playing. Done. Yeah. Saturday's looking a little light. Yeah, but we got our we got our the real games of the week. Like if we weren't being biased, I mean Eastern Montana State's probably the game of the week. And yeah. then, um, you know, everybody wants to see what, what Montana does. So, you know, we're, we're playing – usually we're playing in the games of the week, and then this week is no different. But, like you said, NAU and Idaho State is going to be the one th- that we're going to be turning, tuning in on Pluto to see. And we should also mention that Eastern and Montana State, that's the root sports game of the week. So you're not going to be able to watch that one on Pluto. All the other games should be able to be streamed um, on Pluto. And can we please make a plea to all the Big Sky Conference people that listen to this, which there are many – I'm assuming. Yes, very many. Very many. <laughs> Could we please get a deal with ESPN Plus and put our games on ESPN Plus? Please. Here's the thing. ESPN, talk to the Big Sky Conference. Big Sky Conference, while you're simultaneously talking with ESPN, talk to Sean Rainey and the guys that do the Montana games. You guys, the three of these people got to get in the same room. We want... We want the good quality local coverage that we normally have, but we want it on the ESPN technology. Let us stream from anywhere we want for four ninety nine yes. a month. I'm willing to pay. Yeah, let's well, just it's only four ninety a month. I didn't even I didn't even get rid of my trial after I watched the the first game. That was the the Montana oh, State. I, did. uh, I didn't. I let it go, and it's only four ninety nine. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee. That's true. Well, depending it's on exciting, what, yeah. What type of coffee you got? Yeah, yeah um, I mean, it does depend. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's I think it's time we move on because obviously this big sky schedule is just not tickling your fancy this week, is it? No, not at all. No. You can tell Barry Tycoon is just done. Done with the big sky. He's more jacked about the stamps game. I don't blame him. But let's yeah. get into everybody's stamps favorite. baby. Stamps baby. We're also, you know, we're another guy's pod. We're the officially the number one uh, pod of a, uh, a certain NFL football player. So I think it's time for the Osweiler watch. So as we learned, Osweiler, over his last 13 games, has been as effective as starting Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. Why isn't this guy starting somewhere in the league? San Francisco, get Miami on the phone. Get him off their bench and into your starting lineup with Please. Garoppolo down. Big win for the Dolphins, undefeated, 28-20 over the Raiders. Brock Osweiler did not enter the game. Didn't enter the game. It's not as exciting when he's not throwing interceptions. Now, the league is better with Brock. The league is definitely better with Brock. So, yeah, uh, I think it's John Lynch is the GM of the 49ers. Get on the phone, call whoever the GM is down in Miami, and get Brock over to the West Coast ASAP. I will say uh, I went to the Broncos-Ravens game this weekend in Baltimore wearing proudly my orange Brock Osweiler jersey. And some other guy in a Broncos jersey looked at me and asked, where did you get that, the garbage can? And then just walked away. NFL fans and their burns are probably up there with most any, I mean, some of the most intelligent burns. I expected that from 
the Ravens fans, but Broncos fans talking trash on me was really hurtful. And Osweiler on top of that. Yeah. Don't come at Just, us with that hate. Yeah. He's the best. If you're still wearing the Osweiler jersey, like you're either family or like you went to high school with him. So that was kind of that was that was a bold move by that Broncos fan to come with that that much of that much hurt. Yeah. So totally. All right. Well, we're, uh, man, we're now we're just freaking rambling because the Finland's like you have to do it this long. Hotel Finland, <laughs> F-I-N-L-E-N dot com. Hotel Finland for all of your rooms in Uptown Butte. Just go there. Um, so we're gonna end it there. We're gonna have Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs play us out. We're super excited for the games this weekend, at least the ones we're playing in. Um, so uh, yeah, we are jacked, and the uh, Stampeders. Don't forget the Stamps, Argonauts. Watch that game, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna send it. A, we're gonna. Just, I can't even talk anymore. Berta can just sign us off. Yeah. All right. See you next week, everybody. I'm rolling on